Hello, welcome to Claret and Blue and our Inside Bodymore show for the West Ham game this Sunday. I'm Dan Ronaldson, joined this afternoon or this evening or this morning or whenever you'll listen to this by John Townley. And before we get started, John, there's been two podcasts come out this week, a Q&A with Dan Bardell on Monday, and me and Matt did a show on Thursday where we picked out like best 11s, but it was like a draft and you had to pick yep. 11 players from 11 different nations. Now, those videos were recorded last week, even though they came out this week, and I've had the week off this week. So I feel very out of the loop when it comes to Aston Villa uh, news, I'm very out of the loop when it comes to podcasting because I've not done anything fresh um, for 10 days or so. So forgive yeah. me for any mistakes through this. Uh, how are you, John? How's things been while I've been away? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. I was off myself on the first week of the international break because it's always quite dull, especially for the job that we're doing. Literally just come back from Emery's press conference. So, yeah, plenty to talk about uh, heading into West Ham. We could go into the top four this weekend as well. Although top five, top four this season, it doesn't really matter, does it? But it's nice to say top four. So yeah, looking forward to the game. It'll be a, a tough one, though, for sure. Yeah, it feels like a really big game, doesn't it? With, I mean, the opposition preview, spoiler, is back this week and we'll be coming up later in the show. And it feels like a big game where West Ham, Newcastle, Villa, Brighton, I mean, that kind of cluster of teams yeah. below the traditional top four. And it's up to one of those to kind of crack it over the course of a season. So... I know when we did the Brighton preview show, we, you were saying like, yes, they're a difficult side to play, but they're going to be somebody that's going to be up there. So you consider them a kind of a rival. So you want to beat them. Same can be said of West Ham as well. I don't think they have got the the side to be, you know, to push the top six for the entire season, what with the Europa League uh, commitments they have as well. But Aston Villa playing West Ham at home, I do have this as a game that is firstly winnable and one that we probably should win if we have those aspirations of top five, top four. This feels like a, a pretty big game to me. Yeah, it is a very tough game, um, especially because of the record we've got against West Ham. Have we beat West Ham since we since we've been promoted? I don't recall that we have. So I'll start on social media posted this afternoon. Villa are winless in ten games against West Ham, which is eight and a half years. Obviously, there's time in the championship there as yeah. well for us. And winless in fourteen games or thirteen years against David Moyes. I think that doesn't have too much um, bearing on the game on Sunday because the last time that we played West Ham at home anyway would have been the start of last season. I think mm. it was four nails that had like a deflected shot. They won 1-0 and that was one of Gerard's final games as manager. So I don't think he'll have too much of a bearing. However, yeah, they do have a very good record against us and they've won the last three at Villa Park as well. I think you're right. They're going to be up and around those positions that we'll be competing for. Again, it, a similar question to um, to what I think many people will be asking of Villa later in the season, I think, about whether mm. they can juggle uh, Conference League and the Premier League but I've said for a while I think if, if Villa can go far in the Conference League it'd back us to win it by then because I know this, this might sound stupid but if we're not in the Conference League by then I think we'll have a good Premier League campaign uh, because we've obviously got a, a lack of football uh, apart from weekend games um, but if we're going far in the Conference League I think that means that we've kind of got over the kind of um, the difficulties that we've had at the start in terms of losing to Legia Mm. Uh, just about beating Zerinsky Mostar. Um, and I am a bit wary about those uh, two particular performances. Can we change? Um, and that's something that West Ham found out last season. We won't be finishing 14th like they did. They're a very good team. And I actually think they've probably improved as well um, over the summer. Obviously, they sold Declan Rice, but they've recruited really well, mm. uh, which you don't see very often when players are sold for big money. So fair play, they've you know they've done well to get in Ward Prowse. Alvarez is a good player, so yeah, will be a very difficult game. And they beat Brighton away, didn't they? Three one, um, won two of their first four away games. West Ham as well, so they'll be coming to Villa Park 
confident that they can get a result too. I think they salvaged a point against Newcastle last time out as well, two all. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, plenty of good players on the team, and it'll be um, yeah, it'll be a good game. Yeah, and I've got a great record at Villa Park. Obviously, the last game played there was the Brighton game. Any side now that is, what the hell is that, John? What's that? What's going on? It's not my birthday, by the way. You're, we were just talking before we came on. Uh, Max updated, and I've got a blurry background. I've, I can't really turn off, and you've got balloons on your screen now for some reason. <laughs> it's not my birthday, but we'll move on. Whoever comes to Villa Park now will be will want to be the side that stops Villa winning consecutive games. West Ham will want to come with a decent yeah. enough away record and think, well, we can stop that uh, winning record that Villa have got. All yeah. right, let's move on to the, to the presser. It's the first time you've spoken to him, Emery, for what feels like donkey's years. Uh, how was he? Uh, yeah, again, I think this press conference, um, the press conference is the moment that they're kind of, um, you know, you've won this many games at home now, so what happens next? And Emery always just says that they don't want to look back on what they've done. They want to look forward and to kind of, you know, improve still. So, I don't know. I mean, there weren't too many takeaways from uh, the press conference in terms of exactly what Emery said, but it kind of just reinforces the message of um, him always looking to make improvements with his team and they're not the finished article yet. And he spoke well about uh, Paul Torres's um, ad- adaptation, sorry, uh, to the team and about how important he is. Torres himself, I think, said in a uh, interview that will be coming out before the Chelsea game, West he joined Ham. Villa. Sorry, yeah, before the West Ham game. He said that he joined Villa because um, Unai Emery is a brand himself in terms of the way that he plays football. Uh, not many managers do that in world football in terms of how he uh, does it and the, the kind of uh, attitude he has towards it. He's, he's always applying himself day to day and he lives and breathes football as we know. So, um, yeah, he, Emery kind of um, spoke about Torres and different bits and bobs, but the main takeaway is just that he's always looking for that improvement still and he's not kind of content with um, everything that he's seen this season and he is expecting more improvement from his players in the coming weeks. I actually want to condense the, the presser and the injury updates section pretty close together this week. Um, just to really hone in on Moreno and, and get your thoughts on him a little yeah. bit. So what what's going on there? Why is he not available yet? Is this a major worry? No, I wouldn't say it's a major concern. He's obviously had that hamstring injury and when he came back, uh, he had a, obviously a, a setback in his recovery, the final stage of his recovery. I don't know how many people watching have pulled the hamstring or had a, he was more than just putting his hamstring. I think he might have had to have surgery on it as well, just some minor surgery. Um, he's been out for months. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's different from running you know, in a straight line. You could do, probably do a 100 metre sprint or something in Camarano, but then it's changing directions. It's moving um, in different ways and that, can obviously impact your muscles and that's probably what's happened i don't know that for sure but he obviously was on the bench against palace on the bench for a legia as well mm-hmm. and then missed the chelsea trip so it's a setback that he's had why is this coming up again <laughs> <laughs> oh, for people that are, I'm, I'm not going to have to edit this out just because of the way the conversation is going so the, for the people that are listening every so often john's uh, screen changes to a load of balloons like you know on twitter when you're it's your birthday and the yeah, yeah. balloons float up on your profile that is happening on john's Streamyard camera for some reason where were we yeah alex moreno so uh he's had a setback as we know and he was supposed to be supposed to be um returning to training this week mm. obviously the start of this week um Again, I don't think that's happened in terms of a full squad uh, training. He's obviously training by himself uh, as well. Again, you can't put a date on it. You're probably looking in, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks or something. That would probably be the kind of optimistic look at it because, again, he, he's at the final stage of his recovery and he's progressing. But like Jacob Ramsey, they've had they've suffered setbacks and mm. Villa will be um, cautious with it. They're not just going to throw them back into it because of exactly what's happened. So clearly it's... Um, 
you know, at the end of their recovery, they need to be careful. So, you know, maybe a normal in, maybe if it was a normal process, he'd be back next week, but they might add another week or two on just to make sure. I don't know, but yeah, you've just got to be um, careful with it. So it seems like we're saying after every international break, but after the November international break, hopefully we have a fully fit Alex Marino and hopefully um, Jacob Ramsey as well. So that left side, um, can finally be complete, which is something that we that we thought we'd probably get last month, mm-hmm. let alone the start of November. So, yeah, it's a frustrating one. I've mentioned it a couple of times in the show, so let's get it in here. The opposition view is back. I spoke to Mark Wyatt, who is a senior reporter at Football.London, to get the lowdown on West Ham United ahead of Sunday. Right, Mark, thank you for joining me on the podcast this afternoon. How are you? Yeah, really well. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, lovely stuff. Thanks for joining us. I've got five questions for you. We've uh, tried to do this for most games this season, but we've missed a few. And I'm sure that Villa fans will be pleased to see the opposition preview back. The first one, really, is just a kind of general overlook of, of West Ham seasons, really. What, what would the ambition be for West Ham, do you think? Um, I think a bit of stability wouldn't wouldn't go amiss for, for a lot of West Ham fans. Last year, obviously, a European trophy was probably beyond everyone's wildest dreams. But the league form, as I'm sure you're aware, wasn't wasn't really good enough, um, you know, a, a bottom half finish and struggling with with the relegation threat for a while. So I think this season you've seen a, a, a different West Ham on the pitch. They, they seem a bit more stable in, in the Premier League, especially. And, you know, the European games are going well as well. So I think if you asked any West Ham fan what they'd like, and I mean, another trophy would, would be fantastic, but, you know, they'd bite your hand off for that. But I think just a bit of stability, um, uh, you know, uh, avoid that kind of rush you get in, in the January, February period where, you're looking over your shoulder at relegation. So if West Ham can get past Christmas and be in a safe position and can focus on the, the Europa League maybe, then I think I think most West Ham fans would be happy with that. Just, uh, it's not one of my five questions, but as a spin-off to that first answer you've given, obviously last year you mentioned the league form dipped off, was it 15th in the end? But obviously you win the Conference League, which gives you uh, a trophy, European pedigree and whatnot, and obviously a great, great day out for the fans as well. What was like the trade-off there like? Because I wouldn't want to see Villa drop down to 15th place, even if they won the Conference League, I want to be up around the top six. How did the yeah. fans kind of feel about that? I think there was obviously, I mean, David Moyes, his, his popularity kind of ebbs and flows, doesn't it? There are, mm. there are times when he's the messiah for West Ham fans and there are other times when, you know, people want to chuck him out along with most of the owners. But um, I, th- I think it's difficult, isn't it? Being in that bottom half and looking over your shoulder, you're almost too focused on on the next game and you can't really plan too far ahead. So, um, I think you're right. I mean, you know, Villa fans got kind of uh, kind of had the opposite last year. They kind of started quite slowly and then mm. obviously brought Unai in and had a fantastic end to the season, which which gives you that confidence going into those key months, which is, like I said. So I think the big thing for West Ham fans, they were upset about the form that they were in, but, you know, there were promising signs. And I think with the summer window they had now, I think it's almost a, a forgotten memory, especially with where they're performing at the moment in the Premier League. Mm. So. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't fantastic to see them start, you know, a, a, a bit ropey in the Premier League. But um, I think fans, you know, a first European trophy in you know, over 40 years and, you know, you, you just can't take that away. No matter how that season is remembered, it's always going to be the Conference League. It's always going to be Prague and, and mm. that night. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think they've minded too much. But fingers crossed that this year is a little bit more um, promising on all fronts, really. You mentioned the, the transfer window there. How do you rate that, that transfer window? Obviously, similar in some ways to the year that Villa had when they lost their talisman in Jack Grealish for a similar fee, around £100 million. You've lost Declan Rice this summer, but seems to have replaced him pretty well with the business you've done. James Ward-Prowse looks like an excellent addition, someone that we all know about. Uh, how do you assess that that transfer business? Yeah, I thought it was um, I thought it was brilliant. I mean, they, they took their time and there was a little bit of a worry at the start in the first few months where there was very little business mm. happening. 
Um, I think they were trying to keep their eye on, on quite a few targets that, that could have gone elsewhere, but but didn't in the end. And you mentioned James Will Prowse. I think that's probably one of the best signings that they made this season, to be honest. I've, I've watched a lot of James Will Prowse. I covered Southampton quite closely as well. So I know what he can offer the team. And I mean, he started in such brilliant form as well. And you look at Edson Alvarez as well. Mohamed Kudus is a fantastic signing. They just kind of, you know, they didn't go overboard. They spent the money that they had. They didn't try and, you know, spend a huge amount of money. Um, but I think they've signed quality in lots of different positions as well. I think Kostinas Mavropopos, which is a difficult name to pronounce at the best of times. Um, it, it, we haven't really seen too much of him, but, you know, he'll come in at, at centre-back and I'm sure he'll provide some good cover there at the back. But, yeah, those those other three that I mentioned, Alvarez, Ward-Prowse and Kudus, pretty much that was the Declan Rice money spent um, on those three players. And I think, you know, if you weigh them up in both hands and what they actually mean for West Ham, Declan Rice was a massive part of it, but, but those three can add so much more to the equation. So... I think mm. it was a really good summer, to be honest. Aside from like the, the obvious ones, because I think a James Ward Prowse as a as a danger man, you know, give him a, a free kick from twenty twenty five yards. I, I'm going to be nervous about it. Who's kind of the main threat that Villa should be wary of from the West Ham side of things? Um, I think Lucas Pakatar is obviously one of the, the big ones. Yeah. He obviously had a, a huge potential move over the summer that, that collapsed in Manchester City, but you know it doesn't seem to have affected him. He's started the season really strongly. He's a Fantastic! You mentioned Eddie Bernadier there. I think they're very similar in that mm. regard, being able to kind of you know unlock the line and, and find players. I think the, the striker is Mikel Antonio started well, but I think there is a very much you know people know that that's not a long term um, kind of option for West Ham. So it, for me, it's the, the trouble for for Aston Villa will be in the midfield. You know, West Ham's midfield is is mobile and. It, it, it's the support runners, it's the second balls, trying to get in behind. Um, so I'd be mainly focused on that. We mentioned Warprouse, but yeah, definitely Pakatar as well. And, and, you know, Alvarez can get forward a little bit as well. Suchek has got a, a threat in him too, but I'd say definitely Warprouse and Pakatar are the ones in that midfield that, that Villa are going to need to keep a really close eye on. And let's reverse that question then. Who from the Villa side of things are you concerned about? Because, you know, we've got a good side now, a good first 11 at least. And, yeah. and there's threats across that across that team. It's, it's a really good 11. I've really enjoyed watching Aston Villa. I mentioned I've done a bit of Brighton this year. So I saw that game at Villa Park recently where, where you blew them away, which was fantastic. But no, I, I think there's talent all across. I, personally, I love John McGinn. He's always been one of my favourite mm. players. And, you know, I love watching him play. I know he's not more... Well, he, he does pop up with a goal over in hand again, doesn't he? Yeah. But I love the way he tidies everything over in midfield. So... I'd be looking at him and then, you know, the, the, the forwards, Diaby, was it Bailey, Watkins in, in great form as well. It's a, it's a lot to handle and Unai's got, it seems to have everyone singing off the same hymn sheet. So West Ham are going to have to be really, really disciplined. I mentioned their win against Brighton at the Amex where, you know, they, they kind of changed their style almost altogether mm. when they were dealing with a side that enjoy playing with the ball, enjoy playing attacking possession football. And, and it actually worked for them. They kind of held back. They had their game plan. That was a way at the Amex as well. So, you know, maybe David Moyes is thinking about kind of doing something similar against Villa because of all that creative attack and talent that he's going to have to deal with. Villa obviously have a brilliant record at, at Villa Park specifically. Uh, Ten wins consecutive, consecutively in the Premier League there for them in, in uh, at Villa Park. Uh, so we'll end with my fifth and final question, as always, on these parts of the show with a score prediction. For some reason, I should probably look into this. Obviously, I'm recording this with you before I do the rest of the show with John later. Uh, I feel like Villa and West Ham is like a bit of a bogey side for us, but I need to probably check the results to confirm that. But I, I 
have this feeling that we never seem to do well against West Ham. I'll save my score prediction for the rest of the show and let you get yours out of the way. How do you see it from your side of things? That's a cop out from you. Uh, now, I, <laughs> yeah. I, you said the form there at home, which is a little bit worrying because I usually like to back a draw in these games. But um, I, I've got to go with a 2-2. With a I think there's going to be goals here as well. And I think West Ham mm. have showed a, a real bite this season, which I didn't really see from them much last year, especially when they kind of go behind in games and things like that. They, they seem to really rally around each other. So... I'm, I'm not expecting Villa to, to be a, 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 an easy task at all. I think they're definitely going to score some goals and I don't think the West Ham defence has been, you know, perfect. Um, but then, you know, there are openings at the other end of the pitch. So, yeah, I'm going to go with a 2-2 draw and we'll decide at the end of the weekend whether that was stupid or not. <laughs> well, Mark, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, it's been a pleasure to chat to you and now uh, we'll carry on with the rest of the show. I'm going to go away from match day because there's a few things that have happened on this week off that I've had that I'm probably not as up to speed with as I would like to be. So I would like you to inform me on a couple of those things. They are Nicolo Zaniolo and the, the betting scandal for want of a better word which is not the right word to describe Zaniolo because it doesn't seem like he's really done anything and also the Vissel Kobe Vissel Kobe not not quite sure the partnership acquisition again whatever the word is there that, that's two things I briefly want you to talk about yep. we'll start with Nicolo Zaniolo what's happened here what is this story obviously it's been caught up in the um the three players for firstly i think the authorities have or are investigating i think or that they're looking at should we say more than 40 italian players i think the three that obviously hit the news tonali uh, the juventus player and uh, zaniolo the juventus players obviously banned for seven months uh, he uh, i believe admitted that he had been placing bets on football and Tonali, I believe, has also admitted that as well. Um, we'll see what happens with Tonali. We know about the Juventus player. The difference with Zaniolo is that he is adamant that he hasn't betted on football. That's the information we have. So these illegal betting websites that they're reported to be illegal. This is the kind of the crux of the investigation anyway. Zaniolo may have, his agent says he may have used some illegal websites um, without kind of knowledge of that. And he is, is just as the statement that the club released said he's uh, fully cooperating with mm. the investigation but um the key is that he is adamant that he hasn't bet on football which would mean uh, there would be no ban um, mm. for him yeah it's, it feels like a pretty complex case as an overall it feels like zaniolo's involvement is lesser than that and if he's available for selection that probably tells you kind of what you well, need to Tenali, know Tenali is um, available for selection as well because again he hasn't been found guilty of anything mm, yeah, um, fair enough. however uh, Tenali, I believe, has admitted uh, to have betted on football, I believe. Zaniola, the difference being that he hasn't done that. And obviously, that's where the sporting um, side of it comes into it. You know, you'd have thought Tenali would then get a ban, a lengthy ban, and Zaniola wouldn't because he hasn't bet on mm. football. Given the complexity of the case, then away from the, the legal minefield that this conversation is, what is Zaniolo's headspace like for this weekend like yes he's available for selection but will he play will he feature will he you know is it better to keep him out the long line no i i think he'll feature he'll i'm pretty certain he'll be in the match day squad i don't think he'll be affected by it let's put it this way if he wasn't in the right headspace he wouldn't be uh training or he wouldn't be involved heading into what would what is going to be an important game on sunday and as we yeah. say as far as we know he's, he's going to be included and he'll probably feature at some point as well so Let's move on to the other topic I mentioned then. Uh, Vissel Kobe, V Sports and Aston Villa. We love a V, don't we? With uh, Vittoria <laughs> and Vegas villains and whatnot. Uh, talk to me a little bit about this partnership, if that's the right word. Yeah, I'm really excited by it, actually. Uh, obviously, Villa, V Sports, sorry, Villa's holding company, Sawira Seedens. They are 
expanding their network of clubs. They kind of they've cast the net, haven't they? And um, far and wide, and they're picking up these different teams. As you mentioned, they're done Vegas villains, although that hasn't come off mm. uh, yet. That was that's one part of the world. Now they're moving into Asia with uh, Vissel and Vissel, Vissel, Vissel. I'm not, I'm not too sure. We need to educate uh, ourselves, don't we? On these pronunciations. Yeah. We know Vittoria. Um, and then ZFC as well in Egypt. So I'm excited by it because, uh, and I wrote a piece about it on Birmingham Live, if you if viewers want to go back and read it. I hope you do because it took a bit of research, but I was already aware of how basically the Japanese um, F- Football Federation are putting a lot of their resources into, as you'd expect, uh, like youth development and coaching over there. But they have like genuine ambitions to be one of the top 10 nations, you know, in terms of the FIFA rankings. And we, we're starting to see it in terms of how they uh, apply themselves in the World Cup. Obviously, they only, hmm. I think they only got knocked out of the World Cup the game after the group stage, but they beat Germany, they beat Spain, they took Croatia to penalties, I believe. Um, so they had a very tough run and, and they obviously did themselves proud and they've got a lot of youngsters coming through at the moment. A lot of players uh, like Matoma, who isn't a youngster necessarily, or Minimino anymore, uh, but players that are playing in Champions League football, playing in European football. Like The J-League was set up in 1992, 1993, and that was basically to make their national team competitive and actually get to World Cups 20 years later. Now they have players as I say, playing in Europe, playing in Champions League. Some of the most exciting players in the world as well, like um, Kubo, who plays for Sociedad Matoma, is one of my favourite players in the Premier League. I'm sure many people agree as well. He's one of the best wingers in world football, really. Um, And yes, the question is, well, how does this affect Aston Villa? I think it's good because we're putting different things in different places in the world, if that makes sense. Everything that we're doing in terms of tapping into the Portuguese market, Japanese market, the you know the, the um, Eastern uh, East Asia, uh, obviously where Japan is. Uh, I think ZFC, obviously Egypt. They've got plans for America. Um, I think there's a, an academy in Senegal or something along those mm-hmm. lines uh, as well. So there's plenty going on, um, and it is exciting. But just on the uh, the Japanese market itself, I can't talk about it. Um, you know, for 20 minutes now, but do go to the article that I wrote on Birmingham Live. Yeah, it seems by all accounts a, a really, really good move. And I'll link that that piece you mentioned a couple of times in the YouTube and podcast description. Yeah. If you want to go and read that, it'll be down below. My education for Vissel Kobe, first of all, what is their name? How do you pronounce it? Uh, maybe worth a go because the, this is such a nerdy point that I assume you won't know anything about. Um, the J League second division and third division are in the new football manager. So maybe you can have a quick look at Vissel Kobe on Football Manager and do some some of your educating that way and, and find out about our uh, new partnership. Let's move on to predicted 11 then. As I said earlier, I feel a little bit out of the loop with Villa things by taking this week off, but I assume it's pretty much as you were for Villa's go-to 11 for the West Ham game. Yeah, as, as you mentioned, Dan, um, no fresh injury concerns. So my predicted 11 would be uh, Martinez in goal, Cash, Paul Torres, uh, Concer and Luca Dean, which is obviously a change actually from the game against Wolves, but I think we'll go back to a back four. Kamara Louise sitting and John McGinn supporting oh, <laughs> who've we got? Diaby and Watkins. Uh, and I'd probably play Leon Bailey actually off the right just because um, I think he's done well in home games this season linking with Diaby. Mm. Um, obviously, there's a Zaniolo there uh, if needed who will probably be uh, more helpful from set pieces in terms of defending them because we know that West Hammer, Ward Prowse crossing into it's like, it's like the land of giants, isn't it? With West Ham, they've got huge um, 
targets in the box. So that will be an issue. And I don't think that's something that, you know, will be easily fixed. Even if you, Zaniolo plays instead of Bailey, for example, you, they're still going to threaten. So yeah, that will be something to maybe that might affect Emery's planning and he may just play Carlos instead just to have that um, mm-hmm. extra security from set players. And a bit more physicality as yeah. well. So we go into predictions. I've uh, loaded up the predictions uh, table that I've got. John, you actually closed some ground on me in the previous fixture. Uh, you predicted 1-1 for the Wolves game, which is obviously spot yeah. on. I only knew three points. I said a 2-1 Villa win, so uh, nothing for me. So I've got nine points overall now in the season. Um, and you've got seven. There was a stage and I kind of leapt ahead of you a little bit and you've uh, you've turned that around and could turn it around even further with this game against West Ham. As we said, not got a great record against them, don't have a great record against David Moyes, but we do have a good record at Villa Park. Uh, Mark, in his preview, went with a, a Desmond, a 2-2. What are you saying? I'm not usually this confident, but I'll, I'll say 2-0 Villa. Oh, to be honest, I'm not too sure I said two now actually thinking about it. But yeah, we're good, we're good at home. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like it's one of those games where um, 4.30, it's, will it be under the lights? Maybe in like six. Yeah, 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 it gets dark. It's half five as we record this and it's pretty much dark here. Yeah, so the third lights will be on. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel quite confident about it. Although West Ham are a very good team and they're very difficult to break down and they'll be hard to beat. We beat Brighton 6-1, didn't we? So we can beat West Ham as well. Yeah, I love how you started that by saying you're quite confident and within 30 seconds kind of started to talk yourself up a little yeah. bit. But uh, yeah, 2-0 mm-hmm. is, is is decent enough. So I'm going to be totally rogue and go for something completely different and say 4-1 to Villa, obviously. <laughs> uh, I think I think West Ham will okay. score, but I, bag, I, I expect us to score goals. Probably not four in reality, but for the sake of uh, juicing the predictions up a little bit, we're going to 4-1 Villa. And, and hope that I'm right, of course. Hope you're right, yeah. Uh, let us know in the comments down below what your predictions are for the game. And thank you for watching this episode of Inside Bodymore. We'll be back on Sunday for the post-match reaction. That should be me and Matt. And then on Monday, we'll be back again for the Monday show to have a, a broader look at all things Aston Villa as we build up to that AZ Outmore game. John, thank you for joining me. Thanks everyone for watching or listening. And uh, we'll see you Sunday.